Welcome to episode 47 of the series about security podcast for July 10th, 2013, brought to you by the Center for Education and Research in Information Insurance and Security, or Sirius at Purdue University. I'm Preston Wiley, and I'm joined by Mike again, he's back, and Keith Watson. And uh, Mike, this week has the first uh, article we're going to discuss. Thank you, Preston. Um, so the first article today is on Nintendo. Um, Apparently, after being bombarded for about a month, from uh, June 9th to uh, about July 4th, uh, it was discovered that uh, approximately 23,000 accounts were uh, exposed, and this included address, phone numbers, and other personal details on the Club Nintendo site. Um, this only affected the, uh, the accounts in Japan. Uh, this did not affect the U.S. accounts. Uh, but apparently, over this month's time, about 50, a little over 15 million login attempts occurred. And um, one of the theories is that this attack, uh, that they were using uh, passwords from uh, leaked sites from previous attacks, such as Sony and LinkedIn, uh, passwords had already been compromised through previous attacks. And, and the theory is that that means about nearly 24,000 people on the Nintendo site may have not changed their passwords and used the same username and password across multiple sites. Um, another interesting thing is that the amount of time it took to discover this. Uh, nearly a month went by before this was discovered. Uh, it was discovered on July 2nd, and I'm assuming that um, was stopped as of July 4th when they issued the press release that they maybe put something in to stop this attack and they have uh, Nintendo is notifying those accounts that they believe were breached and uh, you know suggesting that those passwords be changed so um, I thought this was an interesting story we've you know we've talked about similar attacks in the past you know the LinkedIn Sony type of things in this case it wasn't a, a database dump you know, um, it wasn't that someone broke into Nintendo and, and got a dump of their database. They just basically ran a brute force attack uh, against the site, and they were able to match up, uh, you know, a large number of accounts, nearly 24,000. So I wanted to see what uh, what you guys thought of this. Well, I think the I think the probably most alarming thing about it is, as you mentioned, the time that it took them to, to discover it. Um, they, according to the article, there were 15.46 million bogus logins attempts over that time period, of which 20, about 24,000 got into an account. But that's, that seems like, to me, a lot of attempts over that amount of time. That's probably about what, half a million or so attempts per day um, to, to bogus login attempts, and that's a lot. That, that is a lot of login attempts, and I wonder, though, Maybe they're taking advantage of the fact. I mean, if they had a, if they had a database of five, ten, fifteen million usernames and passwords that they were just throwing at the site, that might have been why they were able to kind of sneak in because each attempt was under like a different username. Right. You know. So I don't know if Nintendo didn't have any kind of early detection in place. It didn't pick up on the abnormal behavior. It does seem like in some log, someone would have, someone would have said, "Wow, we are getting a lot of login attempts." You know, um, a lot of failed login attempts. You know, they're only trying once or twice, but over amount of time, it seems like there would be a lot of activity occurring. Yeah, it seems like a couple of failures here. Are, uh, obviously, the users failed in that they reused passwords on sites they probably shouldn't have, and probably their email address too. Most likely, that's how they were linked up from yeah. 
from one service to the Club Nintendo site, but also the fact that they may have used the same password across multiple accounts, something we've always recommended you don't do. Right. And here's an example of why you don't do that. And uh, the other failure is on the side of Nintendo to actually not actually catch these things and notice, like you said, you know, yeah. there's a significant number of login attempts going on. That should have raised some red flags of some sort, and apparently did not. So you would think that any sort of web-based service would have some sort of way of detecting whether there's a lot of password guessing going on on their site or not, and maybe limit it to blocking IP addresses if possible, if they're not coming from like botnet servers where they could come from a whole variety and right. seemingly random IP addresses. Yeah, I mean, I think it should have generated some kind of bizarre behavior. You know, someone should have noticed that something strange was going on. Maybe not necessarily malicious, but something somebody would have looked into and said, you know, something weird is going on. Maybe we'll throttle down the traffic or, you know, we'll, we'll start shutting some things off. Um, I, I will mention that um, this Club Nintendo, I think it can be used, you know, it's kind of like a point sort of network. You can, I think, uh, kind of redeem those points for certain things. Uh, it does not appear that uh, Nintendo said it does not appear that anyone actually used any of those points. So the users, other than losing like their address, you know, kind of some personal information related to their profile, I don't think they uh, got anything else. I, I believe Nintendo does not store the credit card information with those accounts. So fortunately, this is not as bad as it could have been, um, because if that information was released, this would be a lot, a lot more embarrassing for them and. and uh, you know, obviously a lot more damaging, but I think in this case, uh, it's more of just profile information that was obtained. Yeah, email addresses and such, and to me it seems like it could be just a, you know, a, a jumping ground for like, oh look, this person had this password, his email password on this one site, and look, it's the same on this site too, so maybe we can try it on some other sites as well, you know, and maybe it'll work. So, they, you know, it might just be gathering these 24,000 accounts that they're that they're then going to try those on other sites as well because these people tend to reuse their passwords on various sites. Yeah, and you know uh, I think this is you know a heads up for all the other companies out there too. This is not you know this is something this is an attack that they can run against any site. Um, so you want to be prepared and maybe detect the behavior early on. I mean they would have detected it. You know, June tenth, June eleventh, they probably could have limited a lot of the damage that you know that occurred. But unfortunately, they did not detect it. So that month went by, and you know, up to nearly twenty four thousand accounts as a result were kind of hacked into. So um, I think we, you know, the takeaway here is obviously don't reuse usernames and passwords across multiple sites. That's what the user can do. And I guess developers, what they need to do is uh, be prepared for these types of things to come in. You know. Uh, uh, you might have a really popular site, but if a million people are trying to log in per second, something strange might be going on. You might want to look into that. <laughs> and, and, and another thing that developers need to look into, and it kind of depends on your user population too, is looking at if, uh, if the particular person trying to log in uses the wrong password X number of times in a row, you might want to slow them down a little bit. Yeah. Or send them an email to reset password with their registered email address or something like that. Uh, but just to let it continually run, you know, every password guess, that allows them to check, like Preston said, you know, roughly half a million guesses a day, and that's significant. 
Yeah, but in this case, what I'm not certain of is, you know, if you had a threshold, let's say, you know, five wrong login attempts and you just block the uh, user for like, um, you know, an hour or something like that. I'm not so sure. There's not enough details here to know whether I think they were sending unique username password combinations. They were just could be hidden and, with and everything. It's not clear. And, and, and that's where I said, you know, that should have at least been some bizarre behavior, but from a from a system standpoint, whether one attempt isn't really enough to right. lock out an account. No. And that might be why this was successful, because Nintendo may have written their site to be like, okay, you know, they try five wrong attempts, we're gonna lock them out, we're gonna protect that yeah, account. We we're not users of it. So yeah, it's, yeah it, it's hard to tell. I mean, with 15 million attempts, was that, you know, did they have 15 million different username passwords they just threw at it, or was it just 100,000 different usernames and they used uh, several different combinations of passwords? So, the users don't reuse passwords on sites, and there are tools to help you. Uh, organize your passwords and stuff. We've talked about them in previous podcasts. So if you want a tool, you can go back to previous podcasts and and listen to that. Although uh, two of us here use LastPass. I, I also do use LastPass. It's just not my primary. Okay. The two of us <laughs> use LastPass. It's our primary password uh, uh, organization tool. And it can generate passwords for sites. It can auto-fill them in. It's secure, encrypted. It's stored uh, in an encrypted format where the holder can't actually, you know, read your passwords. So <coughs> don't reuse passwords on sites. And if you get an email that says, "Hey, your account was compromised and your password was was may have been leaked," and if you reuse your password, change it. You do reuse your password, change it. <laughs> so yeah. well. And that, and don't click on phishing emails. Yeah. You keep going along. With this. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I think those are the two lessons here: is if you if you don't reuse your password, and if you do get if if they're correct about these being used for previous you know breach, then if they probably got an email and they didn't listen to it because maybe they they logged into Club Nintendo once, and that was it. So. But anyway, uh, I'll go on to the next article, and that one's mine. And and this one is about a um, a known an SSH a private SSH key was made public, and the this private SSH key was apparently the default SSH key on um, the, the devices used for the emergency alert system that is used by uh, television stations to. Uh, to alert people of disasters and such like that. For most people probably are familiar with it. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system and, and the beep that is associated well, with it. Well, the emergency broadcast system is the old version. Right. Well, this is this is the, the replacement. System. Right. This is the replacement of it, but it's, you know, that's what people probably can remember is the, the tests of, of that system. And, and, and this is kind of the, the New new version of the system that uh, I guess the president of the United States could technically interrupt all everybody's broadcasts with an alert and 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 uh, and you'd send a message out to everybody who's listening. So, um, but anyway, uh, apparently the the manufacturer of of these devices, Monroe, is the manufacturer. 
put the uh, private key in within the hard code of the private key within the firmware of these devices, and somehow the private key got leaked. Um, now this is a default private key, um, and the private key can be changed apparently. Um, so if you left it in the default configuration, and your publicly facing or your network has gotten hacked, then a hacker could send out false emergency alert messages on the airwaves. And uh, there was an attack a while back, um, I think it was in Montana, and it's, it's about zombies um, wreaking havoc. <laughs> the dead rising from the graves and, and, and all that. And, uh, and it was great message. And, and it's it's not known how the attack was pulled off, but it, you know, there's some people suspect that this may have been the way it was done. Now, Monroe has said that they're they they patched their system. A lot of places have uh, have have applied the patch, um, and they're they're redoing the way they do uh, their their key uh, storage and things like that. I guess in within the systems, but. Um, this highlights a lot of problems with hard coding your your uh, your private keys um, and keeping your systems on the default settings. So using the default password. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean that that's what I feel like. This is more of an issue of not changing the default settings. And I, I think about you know the the wireless routers you get for home. Um, you know, they they always come with some. Pretty much the, the key it uses is right on the router itself. I, I don't know how many friends and families houses I visited where I'm like, I want to go on the wireless, and they're like, Well, let me go find the key. I'm like, No, no, I can go get it. <laughs> let me just go look at the router. Um, so I mean, I think it, I don't think it was good to necessarily do that, but I think it's really more of a an education issue here, or you know, advising their customers that you know the def maybe they should have made it so the default had to be changed when they hooked it up. Um, but to me, this is really just a matter of not changing the default configuration. Well, true, but this is effectively a hard-coded password. Like any other embedded device that has a hard-coded backdoor password, that's what essentially this is. Right. The assumption was, well, it's SSH, it's secure, right? Well, not if the private key is actually known. And you can extract that since, assuming this is written into the firmware, you probably had to apply a firmware update. Most likely you downloaded that firmware update from somewhere. You could extract that private key right out of the firmware directly. Right. And using that, it would allow you to access the machines that had not been changed from their default configuration. But any other person that's familiar with you know, Linux and Unix systems today, you know, you fire it up. The first time it boots up, the first thing it does is generate SSH private keys. Really, no reason why this system couldn't do it either. Because oh, by the way, it's based Linux. So <laughs> to have a hard-coded uh, private key for SSH seems rather ridiculous, uh, and really is poor poor software design. Yeah, and I'm actually kind of surprised we have not seen a bigger fallout from this so far. I don't know if it's just because it wasn't really known. Well, assuming that I don't know how many vendors there are for. Uh, the emergency alert service uh, that this these guys might be the biggest so there might be a sizable number of these devices out at every TV and radio station across the country so uh, there could be a significant problem here so basically had fun <laughs> deploying it yet other than in Montana 
Well, I was thinking there was something in the article that indicated that uh, a large number of customers have now patched their system. I don't remember the numbers on that specifically, but I, I thought they said that there was a that a, a fair number of these customers have already patched their systems um, since they've made the update. Well, the other thing that's I think kind of interesting, at least in my mind, is that if I heard an alert now and it was something kind of wacky or very tragic or ridiculous, I'd probably question it until I could find, uh, you know, could verify that it was true. Sure. Like if, yeah. if I was, if, you know, an emergency alert said, oh, there's, you know, new nuclear warheads headed to the United States, see cover immediately, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, really? I don't know if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, clearly the zombie thing, you know, okay, there's not going to be zombies, but what if they would have put something a little bit more realistic? Yeah. I mean, there were still people who questioned yeah. it, that questioned the zombie thing. Is this real? Are there really zombies? So I mean, <laughs> I mean, it'll it'll, yeah. it'll cause me to question things. But, I mean, probably a little bit more than than I would have in the past. I mean, I never really thought of the emergency alert system as a hackable entity, even though obviously anything that is on the internet is hackable. But well, yeah, you'd think there'd be more oversight of the system. That there would have been. A, Security review as they were rolling this out, and, and one of the, you know, one of the people in the room was like, "Hey, I think this is a bad idea." Well, and again, I go, I, and again, I go back. Has security people on staff to go and find these things. Yeah. Well, I'm still going to go back to default though, um, because you've illustrated how it could be patched. But again, I still think if a system rolls out with default settings and and, and the login's known, that's just bad. Absolutely. You know, and that to me is, and, and, but the thing is we see that in a lot of places. I mean, we see that, like I said, with routers. I don't know if they're still doing that. I know when I got my router like five years ago, they were default passwords. Default passwords. Yeah, I mean, go on, you, you go to Google, and, you know, you don't know how to get into your Belkin router, just do a quick search. It's like, you know, password, you know, username's admin, password's pass or something. I don't know. And you can get in. Admin, admin. Admin, admin. I mean, there's no password. And, and the thing is, for the you know, I think that's a, a better example because the average home user may not understand. They just how, want it to work. They just want it to work. In this case, I mean, for delivering these types of messages, it, it should have been someone setting it up should have said, "This is really bad." You know, we do not want to keep the default settings. Well, again, people in radio stations and, and TV stations have an understanding of the technology domain under them. You know, broadcast gear, right? Right. This is another device. That the manufacturer sent them a nice booklet. So plug it in, do this, go to this web page, configure it. I don't know that they're gonna say, I don't have time to deal with the default or change the defaults. I don't even know if I know enough to change the default settings. Right. And again, that's why I think it, you know, should have been get in and it forces you to change it. You know, it, it or it generates the key. Yeah, or like in Linux, thing. when you first boot it yeah. up, it generates, it generates it for you. For you. Yeah, right. So I, I think that's that's interesting, and we'll see if anything yeah. else happens because of it. Although it sounds to me like people are actually, um, and they, I think they said that uh, most places have actually patched 
their systems. I think well, I read that somewhere. Yeah, I think, and I think you can uh, thank the zombie award for that. I imagine people, <coughs> I imagine that made quite a wave in their circles. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that spurred <laughs> the elected guys yeah. to do a little investigation. Yeah. Well, I'm, apparently this they alerted the people involved in April, and uh, I guess so. It's been a few months yeah. since uh, that came to light to them, so they had a chance to patch it before we knew about it. So, any other comments on this? No, no I think we got <laughs> All right, well, thank you, Mike, and thank you, Keith. I hope everybody had a good July 4th. Yep. Um, and everyone listening, have a safe and secure day.